And that's what the sales conversation is. It's another opportunity to take a true interest in somebody. It's one of those places where people will tell you some of their deepest, darkest secrets, wishes, dreams that they won't share with anyone else, or they don't get the opportunity to share with anybody else. So here you are holding this container for them to really talk through their heart, talk through like, this is what's important to me. This is why it's important to me. And when you, you know, like to me, that's a sacred space. Welcome to the Juicy Closers podcast, where it's all about juicing your sales game so you can earn more money in less time. Join us in creating Yes Closers. Subscribe now to never miss a juicy tip. Now, here are your hosts, Tina Gray and Janelle Holden. Hey, Tina. Hey, Janelle. Are you excited for today's podcast episode? I'm always excited. <laughs> always. I know we have a very special guest in the house, and I've been looking forward to this for um, the several weeks since she said yes. She's amazing. She's We are so lucky. She's been working with us, doing some work a little bit. And um, every time I talk to her about sales, I'm like, that is brilliant. So um, I, will, I can't wait for people to meet her. Um, so without further ado, I'll just give you a bit of an intro, Karen. So this is Karen Graves, everyone. She is a sales mentor and consultant who loves to sell high-value transformational programs and teach others how to sell as well. And she has over 20 years in sales, starting in corporate, and a ton of experience. She just comes with so much um, background and experience and fun and laughter. So we're going to have a great time today chatting it up with Karen. Thank you for being here, Karen. Thank you for having me. Anytime I get to spend time with you ladies, I'm I'm just so excited. So thanks so much. Yeah, isn't it oh, great talking with people? Sorry, go go ahead, Tina. Oh, no worries. <laughs> it's always tricky when you got three salespeople on the same call. I was just going to say I'm <laughs> excited to have you here, Karen. Um, and she's definitely not the Karen you hear about right nowadays <laughs> with all of the memes so and all the Karen. compliments. <laughs> so I just wanted to throw it out there. She's so fun <laughs> and so cool. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not complaining on a daily about, you know, life. (laughs) (laughs) So true. So true. But it's so fun to have sales. Like when we get together, we get to laugh and everything because we know what it's like to do the job, right? We know what it's like to be in the day-to-day in sales. And that's why we asked you today, because we know that you do the day-to-day. Like a lot of coaches who teach mindset around sales actually aren't doing that much in sales themselves. You know what I mean? That's true. They are not at the front lines. Yeah. And I yeah. stay at the front lines. You keep your skills sharp. You know what's the latest and greatest. But if you're always, you know, teaching from this, once upon a time I used to do this, you lose that edge and you don't even know like what what's really going on nowadays. So yeah. yeah. And I just love selling. I used to not love selling, but I do love it now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So tell us about um, a little bit of your bio and background in sales. I, I know the listeners would love to hear a bit more about that. Yeah. So I'm called, you know, I'm an OG in the sales game, been around for a long time, <laughs> over 20 years, even though I'm only 25. And <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Um, but I did start, you know, I was a reluctant salesperson, like seriously, never in my wildest dreams did I think that I would end up doing sales, end up liking sales. And so it always kind of makes me laugh that like, this is the career that I'm, that I'm doing. Um, but I started strictly 
I started in pharmaceuticals. And the reason that I started is because my cousin had a job with this really cool company and she had a company car and an expense account. I kid you not. That was like, she, she used to, her territory was right near my house. And I used to be a social worker. I was a caseworker. I wasn't a social worker. I was a caseworker for state welfare in Connecticut. And I used to get, you know, like come drag it home from work, beat down every day, called out my name, all sorts of, you know, sideways. And, and I was just not in a happy environment. And here she would come dressed to the nines. You know, she always had this cool suits on and she's driving her company car. And she's like, oh, I'm just going to stop through here, you know, do finish up my paperwork before I go out to dinner with these doctors. And I'm like, what am I doing wrong with my life? Like, how did this happen? (laughs) And meantime, you know, and she's also making like five times the amount of what I'm making at my job. You know, even though I'm doing soul level impactful work, I didn't feel very appreciated. So she was like, well, you know, our company's expanding and you might've heard of this company. It's called Pfizer. Um, (laughs) Our company is expanding. They're big on the vaccine front right now. Um, And they're hiring like, you know, thousands of salespeople. And I was just like, you know what? Sign me up for that. What I didn't know is that I would actually have to sell. So, you know, that was a big like, wait, what did I sign up to do again? And the other part was it was like, you know, I had to move to New York and and they like when they train pharmaceutical reps, like at least Pfizer had like a a tremendous sales training company. they like it was like going to medical school so i was like not only did i sign up to do something that i really don't like to do and i feel totally intimidated because i'm talking to doctors and i'm like they've been in school like so much longer than i have like what the heck am i gonna say but now i gotta go back to school i was just like i don't understand how i ended up here but (laughs) it ended up being like an amazing job um i stayed there for a decade I became, you know, a hospital rep, a sales trainer. I managed sales trainers. So, you know, that was just awesome. And then I went on and like when it came to me that like I had kind of outgrown that space, I was like, I want to be a coach. I'm going to go out and coach the world. and I'm going to help people. I actually thought I was going to help um, mothers leave their jobs so that they could be entrepreneurs. But all the mothers I talked to kind of like their paychecks. So they weren't really... <laughs> trying to leave. And so this is a little tip for business owners, you know, sell what people want. (laughs) So they didn't want to leave. Um, but when I started like really seeing what the holes were in the market, I was like, you know, I was seeing that it was sales that business owners were really suffering with and struggling with. And it was something that at that point, like, I was like, I know how to sell so I can teach people, how to sell. And so that's how I ended up being, you know, a coach and consultant. And then when the high ticket thing started happening, I saw that there was an opportunity to help other business owners sell their products too, their products and programs. So there you have it in a nutshell. (laughs) That is a great story. Fabulous. Um, I love so much about that, that you fell into it for the clothes. Like literally I, if I see great clothes on TV. I'm like, what's that job? And the car, I completely understand. Yeah. Um, and that it gave you that opportunity to really grow into something new and it became something you're incredibly good at and skilled at. And it's 
hard to find good salespeople. I think I, I just from being in the industry, top-notch salespeople are difficult to find. And when you can do that and do it well, I mean, you're just never out of work. It's true. It's once true. You find That's that skill. It's absolutely true. And, you know, I think strong, solid salespeople are diamonds in the rough. And I really, I, I don't think it's the fact that they don't have the ability. I think that there's so much bad training out there and bad approaches to selling that corrupt people and, you know, and people aren't really tapped into for their genius. So there's, you know, like, I think there's such an opportunity to like really help people become better salespeople. But as far as finding people just fresh, really good that can jump into something ready and prepared that it is, it is tough. And I know y'all have that all the time looking for qualified salespeople. It's it's not an easy, it's not an easy search at all. Yeah. I'm curious. I know we're going to get into some of the tips that you have for people around mindset, but I'm curious if you had like one pet peeve in the industry or something that you see people train on or, you know, tell people to do around sales that you're like, no, 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 don't be doing that. You know, I'm curious if there's something that you, you see that you'd like to see changed. Ooh, just one, just one. You can can go for five if you want. (laughs) Okay. Well, you know, I have a big challenge with the whole machismo, you know, kind of like manipulative bro style of sales. You know, I'm a, I'm big on compassion and empathy and understanding where a person really is. And then just looking at sales, it's like, this is just problem solving. You've got a problem. I may have a solution. Let's see if this problem can be solved with my solution. If it can, fabulous. Let's talk about that. If it's not, then that's fine too. But when you see people who like play these little mind trickery, stupid games, it just, it irritates the the crap out of me. It's this, and it can be like, you know, NLP is, you know, neuro-linguistic programming can be used for all the good in the world. And it can also be used for all the bastardizations in the world, right? It could really just make people feel just, I feel bad if I don't buy. No one should ever be in that position of, I feel badly if I don't buy because this is my last chance or I'll end up on the side of the road with nowhere to live. It's like, I, it drives me insane. And, and I say it's machismo because I think that, you know, it's a very masculine oriented industry. And those are some of the old school tricks that have never died off. And so I'm hoping that we're in this space where we're evolving to a place where we are doing a better job of just trying to understand people's needs and just trying to fulfill them the best we can. And being honest when it's not a good fit or being honest about, you know, when the timing's not right, you know, and just not trying to hold people down to make a decision right this minute or else, you know, it all goes away. (laughs) (laughs) You will never live. You're failing. Exactly. So so that's one. (laughs) I love it. Tina, do you have some thoughts about that? I do. I do. And I love that you shared that because we feel exactly the same way. And this is a big part of why we're here because, you know, all the sales guru and the experts, you know, are mostly men. I'd say like 90%, right? And some of them don't even sell anymore, yet they're going to use those skills and tactics in the past to teach women how to sell. And we talk and we're all about connections, relationships, and compassion. Not saying that men aren't, but we just like to connect more on a deeper level in most cases. And so when, you know, 
if I was a salesperson and I was learning from, you know, my my male boss, they're always going to be like telling me to say certain things that I'm like, ugh, that's just not me. But I guess since you're my boss, I'm going to do it your way, right? Because I don't know better. And then it comes off really weird. <laughs> and, and then it's really <laughs> awkward. And then you're just like, what the heck? It didn't work at all. Like, and then you get upset and then you're like, maybe I just suck at sales. And I'm like, no, I just haven't had the right trainer to give me the right tools. Um, and so, you know, completely resonate with everything that you said, Karen. And a big part of that too is because they're not in the trenches anymore doing the sales mm-hmm. like they are, right? So they mm-hmm. don't know what the changing industry looks like. Nowadays, it's not about always be closing. I always say it's more about always be helping. And that's great. Just just a little bit of that transition will kind of help you be there to to help them, whether it's a yes or no, you're not as attached to it. But I think before everything had to be a yes. And then they feel bad, right? I never want to make someone feel bad because, oh my gosh, I wasted two hours of a time. I guess I should buy this, but I hate, I don't want to. (laughs) Right, right. And that's where you get the buyer's remorse. You get people who are trying to get their money refund. It causes more harm than good when you have people who have reluctantly bought, right? And then they're, they're sitting there. You feel slimy. They feel like something just happened to them that they didn't want to have happen. And it's just, it's not a happy space to be in. And I love that always be helping because it really is. If you're just helping and you're coming from that heart of helping, then you can be detached for the outcome because it's not like, oh my gosh, I didn't make that sale. And now I suck. It's like, I did the best I could. And everybody's happy because I did the best I could and they got the best from me. And that's it. Totally agree. And Every time I think of the machismo approach, it's like this vision of like me wrestling somebody down and taking their wallet, basically. Like it's sort of the disappointment if you don't close enough from from the men. Like how come you didn't wrestle them down and get that money out of them? You know, <laughs> like yeah, no thanks. Like, I really don't want got, to do that. They've got a second mortgage they can get. They've got four hundred one k. I don't want their four hundred one k or their second mortgage. No, no. <laughs> I don't want somebody in debt and now worried no. about how they're going to pay. I really don't ever want to brag that someone sold their refrigerator to do this program. No, thank you. Don't want to be bragging about that. (laughs) No, that's not my happy story. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. We want to be able to sleep at night, you know? (laughs) Yes, Yes, exactly. Yeah. So... Well, speaking of that, um, you gave us, we had asked you to, to come with some sales tips or ideas to help our listeners make more sales. And um, I know you've got so much background that there's probably 20, 50 tips that you could give, but um, what do you think, what's top of mind for you uh, in terms of a sales tip to, sh- to share with people? Sales is, you know, like, I think I already said when it was like, sales is just problem solving. You know, it's a yes. conversation to see if some, if you could help somebody solve a problem, that person has a problem. And I know that a lot of people, you know, especially when we're talking about mindset, they're reluctant. There's reluctance, my word of the day, obviously they're scared to, you know, like to sell, they, they think it's something dirty, you know? And so if you're able to reframe it as no, I'm actually just providing somebody enough information to make a decision that's important for them to make, then it takes that onus off of all of this is is on me to make sure that they buy this thing. It's it's 
they get to have an informed decision. And that's all that it is. You're just providing enough information for them to say yes, no, not now, you know, and, and you can just like walk away from that knowing that, you know, you provided that information. And so I, I always say like, don't hold back because to me, it's a disservice to somebody if you hold out and have something that's a solution and you don't share it with somebody. It's kind of like seeing somebody broken down on the side of the road. You know how to change a tire and you're just like, Hey, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not stopping. I'm, oh, good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> somebody helps you, you know? So, you know, provide the information. And that's the other thing. It's like offer your mm-hmm. services, offer to have a conversation and just know it's just a conversation. If you're waiting for oh, this conversation is going to lead to a client, that can leave you really hurt a lot of times. <laughs> like there's a lot of times you'll be sitting there like, oh, because you're probably going to have more conversations where people are going to say no, than they're going to say yes. And if you're just like, I'm just exploring, we're just being exploratory, then it it's really, that's all there is to it. It's very light. It's very easy. It's very freeing. <laughs> Yeah, way more freeing than um, let's have a 30 minute high pressure call where you're going to feel on the edge of your seat. And I it's it's not that's not fun for anybody. But when you're having a conversation about something and they're asking questions, listen, I don't think anyone wants to spend five thousand, ten thousand, twenty thousand dollars, the type of price points that we are selling at without actually getting their questions answered. I don't know people who are just like, yeah, sure. I'll give you $5,000 if you say it's good. I mean, they they want it they wanted to know that it's going to work for them and solve that problem that they have, right? And that's why we exist to be able to chat with people and say, is it the right fit? Is it not? And and be as objective as we possibly can, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it, it's just it's much neater. It's a lot yeah. cleaner. You know, there's no the weird feelings at the end of it. Um, yeah. One of the other things I say, like in line with that is people put so much onus on like, you're the end all be all in this decision-making process and they either love you or they hate you. And it's like, <laughs> let go of all of that. It's mm-hmm. not personal. Don't take it personal. It's not about you, you know? And if you're really doing your job well, then you know, it's not about you. You're going to come up against all sorts of objections, right? People are going to be like, oh, I don't have the money for this. And I don't have that. You know, and you're just, it's again, they're only thinking about themselves in that situation. They're truly not thinking about, unless you're a jerk. Like if you're a jerk, yeah, they're thinking about you, right? You know, like I've had some nasty sales experiences where I'm like, really? This is like, I don't know why we're, how, how this is really happening here. Like, you really think this is a good sales conversation. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm, and I love those conversations because it's like, I know sales, so come on, bring it. Um, but you know, it really isn't about you. It's about what they're going through. And I think we put a lot, like we make ourselves either the champion or the demon, you know, and, and it's, that's really not our role. Our role is not that at all. Our role is the educator. That's, you know, like you're the educator <laughs> and you're, you're the decision facilitator. That's all that it is. And so when we're able to like, you know, allow ourselves to not take it personally, allow ourselves to keep that clean energy, because if we're thinking it's about us, then that also tells us who's really important in that conversation. 
exactly. we're putting ourselves, <laughs> it's more important, right? So if we can just, you know, allow ourselves to let go of the, it's about me, because it really isn't, it's not about us. And so if, you know, we get to serve. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I want to hear Tina's thoughts on that as well. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about when you were saying that is ego. Like this is in some ways sales is great for personal growth and personal transformation because you've got to face your ego of, um, oh, I'm the champion or, oh, I, I failed. If you keep going through that cycle, sales will never be fun for you. But if you let, if you let it go and just say, oh, you know, whatever happens, happens. And it's not about me. I'm just here as a conduit to help this person solve a problem. It's way more fun <laughs> overall, you know, than, you know, I'm, I'm the badass salesperson, um, which is part of that machismo, I think too. Like, I'm so great. I can close anybody, you know, in my sleep type of thing. Yeah. 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 Um, I love both of that. Um, and totally agree with Karen with um, what she said about, you know, you can be, um, I forgot those two analogies that you used, but it was really brilliant. <laughs> I was just absorbing everything. Um, <laughs> where it, it's not, it's, there's no pressure on your end. Like, take that pressure off yourself, right? It, you're just showing up to help them, to give them the information they need. Um, and whether or not they say yes or no, like, it's not about you. It's, it's more about them. And I think knowing that as a salesperson is the key because so many times we're always feel the pressure to do everything, to, you know, tell them what's going on and then also help them make that decision. And then the bad thing is really trying to sell them hard and like really trying to convince them. And I always know when I'm doing that, um, and sometimes it's not conscious, because I'm just talking too damn much. <laughs> right? Yep. Yep. Motor mouth. Totally. It's like, I'm, well, I'm, and you're convincing, right? The convincing yes. is trying to like kind of get somebody to, over to your side of the table. Right. But that's, that's not the place you want people convinced because convincing is one line short of brainwashing. <laughs> like we've talked them into a trance and they're like, okay, I'll buy it now. Cause you're beating me down. <laughs> and it's like, they're exhausted. They're like, I can't hear anymore. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I, so true. <laughs> it's like a little kid in the grocery store. Mom, I, can we get this? Mom, can we get this? Mom, can we finally after the, like the ninth no, they're like, sure, I'll buy the candy for you. You know what I mean? We don't really want that feeling in sales because that leads to regret and all sorts of things, especially for transformation. But one of the things that you said that I really wanted to ask you about you in one of the tips that you gave us is to embrace sales as one of the noblest acts you can make. So tell us more about what that means to you. Yeah, it, it goes back to the analogy of like leaving somebody, you know, stuck, leaving them right where you left them, if not worse, because there's nothing worse than having a conversation with somebody and presenting them a solution, but that solution is out of reach and then making them feel bad because it's out of reach for them. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I've got your, everything you're looking for. Here's your golden key. Too bad you can't reach it. Yeah. You know, that like, like that's, that's the wrong way to go about it. But when you're able to help somebody see a solution, figure out their path to getting to that solution and letting them know that 
here's here's your options. Like you can embark on it now and that's going to get you to that goal you want probably the fastest, right? You can put it off until later. It doesn't mean that you won't reach your goal. It's just going to be delayed. Or you can put it off completely from me and get it somewhere else. Because here's what I've just done. I still presented you with a solution. I've still given you enough information that even if you say, no, it's not with me, you still know enough information that you can get started moving towards that goal. And so if you're just in that space of, I'm here just to help you reach that goal, whatever that goal may be, and I've given you enough information, then you can, you're moving forward. But if I like shut you down and oh, you can't have this from me or, oh, too bad my price is out and I haven't done anything for then then I'm really hurting you. So it's really, it's a noble act because a person comes to you, they're stuck in a place where they just need to know more information. They are, they have, they're unclear and you're providing them clarity. I always say that at the beginning of every conversation and I hold this to be my truth. When I'm working with somebody in a sales call conversation, it really is, my goal is at the end of this call, you will have clarity as to what your next steps are, period. Like if I don't hit that goal, then I don't feel like I've done my job. And so that's, if we just do that, that person is like, thank you, because it is about me getting clearer. Like I came in here and I was totally obstructed from my own view. Like there's so much information coming at me. I don't know, you know? And so, so I think like you're being of service by helping somebody have clarity and being able to know what they can do next. So good. So good, right, Tina? Amazing. I don't even have anything to say. It's funny that um, that you say that because about the disappointment of holding the golden key and then not being able to give it to them. Like if they can't pay for it, then they feel bad, and then that that makes me feel bad too. Um, and we've had, we've definitely had, I've had that situation for sure. And I did have one situation where, you know, the woman said to me, "Well." I feel like you just showed me like the Tesla and then you pulled up the Toyota because I couldn't afford the Tesla. Like, you know, I mean, because we were talking through some different different ways that she could potentially afford to work with this um, client that I was representing. And that, and that didn't make me feel good either. Like you really want it for them to feel like, oh, I'm getting exactly what I need and it feels like the right fit financially for me. and. Um, I'm feeling really excited about this solution. So I love what you said about that and just, you know, letting that go as well and just focusing on them and what it is that they really want to do and offering anything you know that you have to help them get clear on next steps. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And sometimes it's just not like they can want it. We've all been Mm -hmm. in positions of something that we really wanted, right? And then it's like, oh, you can have this at the cost of $1 million. It's like, I don't have that in my bank account right now. Um, but can I come back? You know, like we've all had that disappointment, but again, that's not for us to to determine, you know, what they need to do with the emotions around that. That's on that. They've got to figure that out. And, you know, we, what we've done is like, it's viable, it's here. And if you truly do want it, then you can go and you can figure it out. I'm not going to make you go and figure it out. But if you, if, you know, like if you're really that motivated, you'll figure it out. But, you know, it would be wrong of me to not present it, you know, if it's, if it's a viable option for you. Yeah. And uh, exactly. so I, 
I love vision boards and um, I've had mentors who I really wanted to work with who I couldn't afford at the time. I did not have the money in my bank account. Let's be clear about what afford means. And <laughs> and I just decided I'm going to work with them eventually. You know, I'll put them on my vision board. And I've done that pretty much every single time, which is why this idea, I think in our industry of one and done, if somebody doesn't buy in a 30 minute phone call with you that you discard them like, you know, they're a tissue or something is so wrong because they'll come back if they had a good experience with you and they're really excited, they will come back um, to work with you again. And once they have the resources. Absolutely. I think a lot of people fall down in the follow-up piece. Right. Yes. You know, uh, there are so there's there are percentages out there and I wish I had the one to pull out, you know, like it's, it's like where salespeople fall off and it's like they follow up like one or two times and then they don't ever follow up again. But it could be the third, fourth, fifth time. You know, I know a mentor who she was trying to get a company that was going to come and speak at her event, you know, and this is a big big deal company, like one of the top 100 companies in the world. And she had to call them 15 times for them to say, yes, that's a sale people, you know, like to get people on your stage. And she had to call them 15 times. If she hadn't gone that extra mile, they wouldn't have spoken on her stage, you know? And so we've got to be mindful of the fact that, that people are, we're, we're building relationships that one and done makes a person feel like one and done. Like, well, that was a waste of my time. Like, I'll never talk to you again. But if you really want to cultivate relationships and long-term, you know, nurtured relationships, you do follow up. You follow up like, you know, can I, and you ask the question, can I follow up with you in the next, you know, 60, 90 days? Is that okay with you? And once you have that permission, you follow up until that person's like, okay, listen, you've now stopped me long enough. I'm I'm good. (laughs) You know? And you never know when that person's like, I'm so glad. Like, this just happened to me last week. I kept following up with somebody. I didn't hear from them. I think I left them a message, like an email. I don't know. Maybe it was like three weeks ago. And she popped up in my inbox today and she's like, hey, I'm ready to have that conversation. Can we, can we talk? Absolutely. Now, if I had stopped following up and just been like, oh, she's mad at me, we wouldn't be moving her forward into her next step in her journey. You know, so, so just stay diligent and just, again, don't take it personal Make sure that you're building relationships and you're thinking people first. And totally, yeah, the sales will the sales will come. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and I love that about the follow up piece. I think as salespeople, we have this, uh, you know, mindset of oh, you know, they haven't responded to my last five emails, so. I must be bothering them now, like they're not interested. And we just assume it's a no, but maybe they haven't even seen any of your emails, right? Maybe they're just like, oh my gosh, yeah, ah, then they get pulled away for all these other things. So there's that story we always tell ourselves and it kind of gets in our own way and then we just give up. Um, And I loved that story you just shared where the ladies reached out and you were like, hey, I wasn't even expecting that, but I'm so glad because I've done my job and I kept on building that relationship with no hidden agendas on, hey, you're going to buy now? You're going to buy now? It's just like, hey, I'm checking in just so I'm at the top of your mind. That's all. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And we spoke about this. You were interested. It wasn't the right time, but here I am again. Now maybe it's the right time. So yeah. 
Yeah. And I think people really want to be seen. And so if you listen really well in that conversation, you hear their dream or their goal and you care as much about that goal, almost more than they do. Like you see it's possible for them. And so if you're checking in from a place of, Hey, how's that goal? How is that going for you? Not of course, like there's anything bad if they haven't reached it, but like, how is that? Does that vision still exist for you? Is this something you still want to create for yourself? And People care about that. Like I would care if somebody kept calling me and saying, how is your writing project going? You know, like, have you, have you finished that yet? You know, what's, what's happening? Like that would mean a lot to me that they cared enough to know, you know, how things are going. And so I think that's, that's part of it. Exactly what you're saying around follow-up is connecting with people from a a place where they are, we, they know that we care versus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what the sales conversation is. It's another opportunity to take a true interest in somebody, you Mm -hmm. know, that you're having a conversation. This is the other part about it being of service. It's one of those places where people will tell you some of their deepest, darkest secrets, wishes, dreams that they won't share with anyone else, or they don't get the opportunity to share with anybody else. So here you are holding this container for them to really talk through their heart. Talk through like, this is what's important to me. This is why it's important to me. And when you, you know, like to me, that's a sacred space. And so when you provide that for somebody, like I've had people who are like, I'm sure you all have too, the watershed conversation where they'll stop and they're like, I don't even know why I'm telling you all this. (laughs) And it's like, because I've created this safe space for you to say it. And there's no judgment here. Like, I'm not going to judge you for this. And I'm not going to judge you for wanting it. I'm not going to judge you for where you've been. I'm not going to judge you for what's going on in your life currently. You know, and and we don't get that. Like, we don't get those opportunities to have that. And so when we do that, like, we're showing that we really care for that person. And if we do that, like, you can't have a friend for life. Like, I've had people who are like, I was your first client. I'm like, I, that's great. I forgot, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I do love you. I yeah. always love you, but I like, I'm, I forget that like, Oh wow. We worked together. I just thought we were friends all this time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. And most of the time I just feel like they're therapists. Honestly, they just want to <laughs> share all these things that, you know, no one else has ever asked them or given them, like you said, that space or opportunity to even share. So that's why the tears come out and they're just excited. And it's just a good sense of release that someone's listening and like really, truly listening and not just, you know, um, you know, pushing their thoughts to the side. So, so yeah. and that's, that's the differentiation right there, Tina, right? The, the, you know, like the solid ex- expert salesperson versus the salesperson who's just in it for the money, right? Is that person knows like you, you were there for me rather than you were sitting there like, can we get through this story so I can sell myself? Like, <laughs> Ooh, or, or, Ooh, I'm going to use that in my sales pitch at the end because that was a poignant part. I got to dip that in there. You know, like that's where the manipulation comes from. It's like, if I, if somebody's like crying to me for whatever reason, I'm not going to say, remember that moment you were crying? See, yeah. if you had this, you stop that crying, you know? (laughs) (laughs) That is the worst. (laughs) There are are salespeople who do that and there's people who train that, like use that, 
dig into their emotions, make them feel the pain. I'm like, <laughs> really? I totally know what you're talking about. I have someone in mind who's, uh, who's, uh, and I think we all know him, um, <laughs> has told us to say those kinds of things. Um, but you know, we'll compare you, notes later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in the Patreon uh, extra segment, the juice guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but I, I wanted to say, you know, I think as salespeople, we truly understand what it takes to be a great salesperson and we appreciate great salespeople even more. Right. Um, like my absolute favorite salespeople are the ones that are just completely asking me exactly what I'm looking for, what I want. Let me do all the talking. And then at the end, play um, like they're on my side with things like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, I really want to. OK, let me let me see what I can do for you in a like, oh, I really want to help you and be your advocate rather than mm-hmm. like. Oh yeah, let me see what I can do for you, and you know, go talk to my manager and maybe take five hundred oh. off, and then da da da. Like, you know, oh. and I'm like, there's a difference between them feeling really genuine and wanting to help you versus like using it as a way to get to you, and and then like kind of flip the switch on you. You know, <laughs> uh, I have yeah. a really juicy st- story to share with what happened with my uh, Best Buy refrigerator. Um, <laughs> experience last weekend. So um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna share that on our the juice segment and um then we're gonna get some Karen's uh take on that. So yeah so that's a good segue to um kind of wrapping things up in terms of um how people can get in touch with Karen. I know Karen um has her own business and is also a consultant and um she's fantastic and brilliant. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I got to get some more of Karen's wisdom in my life and my business. Um, I wanted to ask Karen if she, if you have a way for people to get in touch and contact you. Yeah, absolutely. I am pretty, you know, pretty easy to get in contact with just Karen at KarenGravesCoaching.com. Shoot me an email. If you're on social media, I'm on Facebook. I'm active on LinkedIn and I'm active on IG. You can ping me there as well. And, you know, I really like to work with people who feel intimidated and overwhelmed by sales or especially like they're unclear about what am I, what am I selling? How much should I sell it for? You know, you're underpricing, you know, that you're holding back in the sales process, you know? And so if you're just looking to, to really embrace and fall in love with sales, I used to say back in the early days, like I will turn you into a salesaholic. Um, so if you want to get drunk on sales, come on, yeah. hang out with me. Yeah. <laughs> I totally love that. We talk about having a sales high all the time and what a good feeling it is when people get their problems solved and, you know, the deal is made. Like there's a real, a real thing to that. And people, and once they learn that it's not intimidating, that they can be real, that, that, you know, if they learn some skill sets, they can feel a lot more confident they will become a salesaholic, especially with you, Karen. So um, I, I encourage anyone who's looking for some more support there to um, look Karen up and reach out to her. She is brilliant. And I know that on just one other testimonial about Karen, because when we met, we were actually on the same sales team and I watched her and I was like, wow, she's good. Um, <laughs> and so um, I, say I know the same thing about you, my friend. So, <laughs> totally. so total mutual respect and love. Um, and it's really great to have had you on the podcast for those people who want to hear Karen's got a really great story. Tina's got a really great story. Um, I might add one in there too, as long as it doesn't get too long. So for those of you who want to stick around, um, go over to patreon.com 
forward slash juicy closers to hear our extra episode called The Juice with Karen, which we're going to do here shortly. And thanks so much for listeners um, being here and uh, having a laugh with us. Thanks, Juicy Closers listeners, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you haven't done so already, please make sure and subscribe. Next week, we are kicking off our theme for March with a special episode on body language and tone that we're sure will kick up your sales game. Looking forward to having you join us next week. Juicy Closers is brought to you by Defy Sales. It is written and hosted by Tina Gray and Janelle Holden. Thank you so much to our guest, Karen Graves. Produced and edited by Julie Tran, creative writer Valeska Griffiths. Music for this episode composed by Drew Pigeon. And special thanks to Tiwana Ship and Eloisa Villanueva.